Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. Hope you guys are thriving and surviving. What else rhymes with that? Yeah, we say thriving, not just surviving. I usually say, hope you're not surviving. (laughs) Just kidding, I don't say that. Um, But I'm joined here with my father, and we're going to discuss the news, as usual. All right, so first topic. Um, This is just a quick story, but I saw this article on the Epoch Times, and I just thought I had to talk about it. Hmm. Um, (laughs) The CDC, uh, they basically have this grant program, and uh, they had this huge amount. So a $6 million grant. And um, it's teams in six states, and they're working to persuade uh, visitors to their buses to take the COVID-19 vaccine. And so they, so far, their efforts have put uh, 1,200 shots in people's arms. And so then if you break that down, um, well, basically, this is what they're saying. For the $6 million investment, each, tax, each taxpayer-funded vaccination has cost about $5,000. So <laughs> the government is spending $5,000 to get people vaccinated, like per person. It, it's insane. Oh, boy. Government spending. And if it'd be like, Sarah, if you said to me, Sarah, I will give you $5,000 to eat this hamburger. I would start getting suspicious. I would say, why do you want me to eat this hamburger so bad that you would because if you said like here's a hamburger i'd probably just eat it mm-hmm. but if it was for five thousand dollars i'll give you five thousand dollars if you eat this hamburger i'd say i'm not eating that hamburger i'm sorry <laughs> this is a little fishy yeah <laughs> i don't know might be a fish sandwich <laughs> if it was you know i'd be interested as well why can't you take the middleman out of this and just offer individuals two thousand do you think, you know, I think a lot of folks that maybe have resisted up to now, maybe they're on the edge, maybe there's other motivations as to employment and such, uh, and say $2,000 will pay you. They could have saved a lot of money, you know, more than half. Yeah, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I don't trust, I don't trust anyone that's really mm-hmm. that desperate. Um, okay. And then I did want to play this clip, uh, from the view they had on this, uh, guest co-host who's supposed to they always have one person who's speaking kind of from the right and usually they're not even doing the best job uh it was this lady named lauren wright and i thought she was actually you know a little bit stronger she did look like almost teary-eyed the whole time Hmm. i think i think being in that atmosphere i'd probably be the same way Mm -hmm. it just seems kind of intense uh so let's just listen to a little bit of what they have to say because you know it's always just so wonderful five that are in preschool that can't be vaccinated. We know that uh, kids from five to 12 are the least vaccinated in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still worry about them. I mean, there are effects from the Omicron variant uh, that we don't even know about. I mean, Joy was telling me you were reading that there could be some heart type yes, of... they have to look that up. They yes. have to, they're, they're, there's stuff that they're not sure about that yet. That could sure affect about. your health in other ways. Yeah, and yes. so, you know, I know you know, parents wanted kids to get back into school. My, I wanted my daughter to get back into high school. Her whole freshman year of high school was remote. Yeah. That was a terrible thing, and it was very difficult for her. But I'd rather that than have her 
get sick and somehow, you know, have these effects later on. I don't think we're thinking about the children and the most vulnerable and the elderly. We're not thinking about those But people. life is risk assessments. That's part of being an adult. And this week, there was, you know, the risk of dying of COVID if you're triple vaxxed is one in a million. That's literally the risk. Getting in a car is one out of 100 about. The risk for 18 to 49 year olds is lower than that. The risk for kids is even lower than that. And so we need to weigh risks. Trade-offs is a basic thing that we teach our graduate policy students at Princeton. And we need to be able to be adults about this. Why should you have to make decisions like this? Why has the, the messaging been so inconsistent that we're all Googling, okay, let me make my own parameters, my own roles. Because science when changes things. Because science changes things. But when this you has get not been based on science. I, oh, the masks weren't based on science? It's really, really loose well, science the from the very the beginning. When Come we, on. I, of course, when we were not having vaccines, we needed those. And if you want to wear one, then you wear one. I was, you know, Lysoling my mail but at the very beginning. But now we have vaccines. But there and have they been scientific work. studies that show that masking does help the spread. And they also, well, science also shows closely. that you don't have to Lysol your bags anymore. We know, I know that. there's different I know that. things that and keep so, happening. And so the, the point is, the CDC has been very inconsistent about this. If you read the studies, they're correlational. It's better than nothing. They're comparing cities with mask mandates to cities that don't have them. Mm -hmm. And there's no compliance consideration. There's no randomization. And so that's not saying don't wear a mask. It's just saying that the CDC, when I hear them say, we want you to take the mask off now and grab for it later. What does that mean? I know what, what does that it means. mean to inch back <laughs> to reality? Speaking well, OK, so I, I think the person who said this best was Dr. Ja. He said it repeatedly. He said, treat it like an umbrella. You need it ready when it rains again. But if it's an emergency, <laughs> all the time, you can't expect people to act. And that's why I think that the masks, I, I, I break with you a little there. I think we needed them during the Delta variant. I, I said that. Okay, yeah. I wonder, because yeah. the, the science during Delta, and the I Omicron. do believe, and yeah. Omicron, but, it, but the thing I feel about Omicron now is when we're having blanket policies, I think that's the confusing part because this country is vast. I actually think when you look at the different areas and the vaccination rates, that's where you should be assessing these things. Um, but right. I also think that we do know, Sunny, I was always concerned with the long haul elements because I do suffer with some mental mm -hmm. uh, issues with depression, anxiety, and mm -hmm. those long hauler symptoms were what scared me the entire time of sure. getting that disease. Right. Now I'm to the point with this, we don't know yet because a lot of things are down the road with what's going to happen next, yeah. whether it's the vaccine, the, disease, uh, the, the virus itself, mm -hmm. we don't know. But what we do know is we have seen a massive spike in suicide among young girls. That's right. Uh, yeah. We've seen overdosing on a level that we've never seen before. They're calling that its own um, epidemic. But you have we've to seen... explain what you are, what you're uh, attributing that well, to. What it is, is when you, when you, uh, the science, I'm not surprised that the messaging has been confusing at all because that is the science changing. And to me, I do is. think much of the messaging. Here, we'll stop it right there. Um, mm. By the way, I hope you noticed Whoopi is back on the show. Mm. After the suspension. A little slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. And don't make another holocaust comment again <laughs> yeah. uh oh and then earlier um in in this clip uh joy behar basically said uh i will she she basically said i'm gonna wear a mask like forever mm. good for her uh she's compromising her health by doing that but yeah that's her choice you know it's interesting they 
you hear discussions and it's just like it goes around in circles. I think, <laughs> yeah. is this leading to anything? You know, there's no agreement. And people are just talking, talking, talking and never getting anywhere. Yeah, it. this poor guest host, I think that this is probably the last time she's going to be on there, uh, you know, uh, has a doctorate, professor at Princeton. Yeah. And she's just like, you guys are so dumb. <laughs> it's like, you know, like you just take this one aspect of mental health. Okay, well, on the same portion that they're basically saying omicron can have impact upon your mental health and then you've also got people saying all these masks and mandates are putting pressure on our kids and it's affecting mental health and causing so, suicide rates to go up exactly so you you're cutting it both ways you're you're both sides are saying you know the other side's uh, desires would cause mental health problems. Yeah, it's the, no matter what, they're going to tailor it. Mm -hmm. You know, even later in this clip, uh, this this guest host brings up the Fauci lying about the mask and saying at the beginning that you don't really need one, all that. And they all four of them in lockstep say he had to do that. He had to tell the public that. Mm. Nothing, nothing that the CDC, nothing that any of these people do uh, will ever be considered wrong mm. in their eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole reason they're even talking about this in the first place is in San Francisco, obviously very liberal, mm -hmm. um, there was a school board uh, meeting and three of the school board members that have been very pro-mask and all of this mm -hmm. were ousted mm. because the parents have had enough. So if this is happening in San Francisco, I think people have had enough. Uh, there was even some video clip that I saw um, of a father sitting in one of these meetings without a mask on, and he was forcibly removed. They're mm. dragging his body out of there, mm. pushing him and everything. And uh, the lady's just screaming, um, you know, a lot of uh, explicit words, mm -hmm. saying what the is going on, what 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 is happening right now. Mm. And you're just, this is pushing people to their breaking point. Uh, you know, we continue to talk about how wonderful and nice Canadians are. Uh, they're, they're having enough as well. Uh, this mm -hmm. is just too far. And um, this is another thing that I wanted to mention. Evangel Evangeline Lilly, she is a very famous actress. She's been in a lot of Marvel movies. She was, I'm pretty sure she was in The Hobbit or, yeah, Um she was in the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp. She was the Wasp. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, very famous actress. And um, she was even seen, you know, joining protesters against uh, vaccine mandates, I think, in the U.S. Mm. But she, she sends out this video, um, and, and let's listen to it. Canadians, even those who you disagree with, treating them with prejudice, suspicion, and illegal repression is not care. Protesting something that deeply, deeply concerns you in our society is not terrorism. It is the civic duty of every Canadian. It is our job as the people to hold our leadership accountable if they are infringing on our inalienable rights, if we suspect that they have become corrupted or compromised in any way, or simply if we think they're wrong in monumental decisions they are making on behalf of their people. But you are treating my brothers and sisters, your constituents, like terrorists. 
without ever speaking to their leadership. There are no riots. This is not a violent protest. There is only a mass of deeply concerned citizens at your doorstep who you refuse to acknowledge for what they are, your people. To everybody listening, everybody. People who disagree with the mandates and people who agree with them. If you think that the person on the other side of this divide is your enemy, please take time to get to know them. Listen with an open heart to what they're really saying. And remember that we're all humans who get scared and feel pain. And most of us are just trying our best to build the brightest future for the next generation and the happiest, most fulfilling, most peaceful and healthy today. Yeah. So, she, you know, she mm. says a little bit more from that, but mm. uh, I don't know if she's going to get a job anymore. How she's going to be able to be in any other Marvel mm. movies, how she's going to do anything mm -hmm. because she's speaking common sense. Mm. Mm. But she, yeah, she's basically, she was speaking to Trudeau in that clip saying, you are calling these protesters all these names and you haven't even spoken to them. Mm. You won't even just talk to mm -hmm. them. Your security can be all around you. They could be made sure to not have any weapons with them. You know, you can do right. this however you want and you won't even talk to them. Mm. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so I, I, I like everything that she's saying and but yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to label her as loony, mm. as an idiot. Uh, oh, she's getting a little kooky. You know, I think the way the government in Canada is handling this is bound to cause folks to go to the other side. You know, it, it makes the protesters sympathetic. You, you would be sympathetic toward them when you see them being mistreated uh, with these heavy weapons and pepper spray and um, breaking the windows of the truck and dragging them out of the truck and uh, taking the property and freezing their bank accounts. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me think a little bit about our July or January 6th, um, what they're doing, because I, I think they're treating peaceful protesters very badly. You know, I, I've struggled with and as you can probably tell, I'm like 99% with the, with the convoy. Um, you know, I do wonder, is there a point, and I'm not saying it was here, but, you know, if you are the government of a country and your government is being brought to a standstill by any group, uh, ones that we like, ones that we don't like, but they're shutting down the highways, uh, nothing can be transported to the stores. What if it was um, a group that you didn't sympathize with, BLM, let's say? Would you think the government ever had a time to that they might need to uh, clear the highways and allow traffic to go through? You know, so, and, and I know there was some of those issues as to bridges uh, between the U.S. and Canada, I'm not saying that necessarily was the case in downtown Ottawa. I don't know what was blocked there. I don't think, you know, that was a supply chain issue with the trucks being there, but maybe it did, uh, yeah, stop some flow of traffic, I guess. But so anyway, I, I think there is some place for a government to step in to cause um, the normal function of life to go on. Uh, 
I don't really like the way they did it. And I think they, I don't like the emergency power thing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'm very much against all that was done. But I do think there might be, you, you have to admit that there is a place and a time where action has to be taken. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And well, it, mm-hmm. this is a recent headline. Um, as police in Ottawa escalated operations, sorry, this is the lead of the article, not the headline, mm-hmm. as police in Ottawa escalated operations for the second day in a row against the trucker protest opposed to the government's COVID-19 mandates, a spokesperson for the movement dubbed the Freedom Convoy called for a pe- peaceful withdrawal, saying they're not going to be a punching bag for law enforcement. So basically, yeah, they're pulling back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. not going to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it. if BLM was doing it, I wouldn't like it it would really, really bother me. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a difference between, you know, based on where it's occurring, what is it impeding? Uh, is it, yeah, if it's, you know, shutting down <laughs> everything that gets to the grocery stores, at, at some point, does that matter? You know, and that the government needs to step in for that? I think, you know, one thing we've seen is the government... Uh, doesn't touch some protests and the ones they don't like they they more than touch they're very heavy-handed and i think that's very concerning to me because i don't think it's even handed obviously in our country that's not the case we look at violent protests fire you know yeah looting and all that completely ignored and then january 6th they throw the book at them oh yeah which was basically pretty peaceful and well all the other circumstances that we could talk about again. Yeah. And then, you know, for the financial implications of people donating to the truckers, Mm -hmm. uh, Washington post was releasing names of people Mm -hmm. that were Mm -hmm. giving like $40 donations, Mm -hmm. just releasing their names. Mm -hmm. It's just disgusting that a journalistic institution would do something like that. Mm -hmm. But, Oh, but they didn't want to report a single thing about Jeffrey Epstein when everybody knew about it for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. And all these women were being victimized and all these people in power were getting to do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a complete double standard Mm -hmm. in this country and it's absolutely disgusting. And you know, who spoke out against the releasing of those donors names? Who? Ilhan Omar. Really? The squad. What'd she say? Uh, she said that wasn't right, and they shouldn't have done that. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's interesting uh, who your friends you, are. You know you're doing bad when <laughs> she's willing to, yeah. It's just disgusting. Yeah. What what kind of journalism are we doing? Oh. You're going to tell me that's the story well, we need to focus on? But basically, I guess it was a hacker that broke into, you know, what was it the Give, Send, Go, or the yeah, GoFundMe? It, I don't well, know. One of them, I don't yeah. know. And so then the press is going to join forces with a hacker. That's just wonderful. (laughs) Oh, boy. You could at least just say there were this many people. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to release names. Mm -hmm. Come on. What happened to journalistic integrity? Um, Okay, and then... um, And by the way, my name's on that list, so... So they reported your name? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Hey, you made the news. (laughs) (laughs) I always knew you would. That's the only way I can do it. (laughs) Not through this podcast? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Okay, so uh, this is the last thing I wanted to discuss uh, real quick. Um, Governor Eric Adams, or sorry, I didn't say, uh, Mayor, sorry, Mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, um, 
is doing something that we're kind of familiar with just because of the Chicago mayor lashing out at white reporters. So let's listen to him do it real quick. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? How many Asians? How many East Indians? How many South Asians? Everybody talks about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms? So everybody go back with their predispositions and my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine. So when you write stories, you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers. You're not writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime. You're writing from your prisms. And I'm not saying this to attack, but my administration is going to be about saying the obvious that other people are uncomfortable with saying. Discomfort is growth. So I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me and say, we're going to write stories based on the prisms that we have, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman that's the speaker, or Jemani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities. It's not what we're getting. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. And I'm not comfortable with it. He's not comfortable with it, okay? So um, make sure that there are no white people that are journalists, okay? All those people he was talking about representing the homeless and such, they don't buy newspapers. <laughs> They sleep on them. Yeah, and sorry, you gotta uh, sell your newspapers. You, you, if you don't make money, there's uh, not going to be any journalism. And will that be good at all? Right. Uh, he was really upset about a headline that he got beat up in Albany, like you know, not beat up physically, like mm. you know, it didn't go too well. Something that he was doing in Albany, and he's, "Are you kidding me? I got beat up. What is this?" And even um, I was watching some some somebody commenting on this a black man, mm. and he was saying that Eric Adams is just being very dramatic about all this, and it's just like, hey, when you hit public office, mm. uh, there's going to be conflict between the, between the journalist and the government officials. That's the way it's supposed to be. You hold them to account, so then the people can see, because if we're only going to take things from him and listen to him, mm. he's doing an excellent job, he's doing everything perfectly, mm. vote for him again. Well, we're not getting another perspective. We need the truth as well. We need an opposite perspective to give balance. So he always says, I'm doing perfect, I'm doing perfect. And then they're going to say, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing this. Mm. And then that way we get a balanced approach and we know if we should vote for him again or not. It's very common sense stuff. <laughs> pull on the race card. If you don't like how people are covering you and you are black, very simple solution. Pull the race card. Always, always, always. <laughs> Get it? Got it? Good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, what's her face? Lori Lightfoot, mm, Chicago mm -hmm. mayor, did the same thing. I call uh, her Lori Lightweight. Yeah, because well, Eric Adams basically was saying, I'm not going to 
he's like, next time I'm just going to say what I have to say. I'm not going to take any questions. Mm. So I'm getting sick of this. I'm getting real sick of it. Okay. It's called when you become mayor of New York city, you need to develop a little thicker skin. Yeah. And he was, um, in law enforcement and mm. there were videos of him, uh, talking about how he was so much better than all his white counterparts, you know, saying some pretty racist things. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, he's allowed to do it. Um, but journalists aren't allowed to just report. Mm. <laughs> they can't even do that. So now he's telling the newspapers who they should hire. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we should make a law out of that. That's right. Yeah, just uh, this many people that are this color, this many people that are this color. That'll be really good. And they all should work in separate rooms. <laughs> Why does he assume that those of his race or other races would be less confrontive toward him? That's kind of a good point. stereotype. Good point. What, they don't? They've got to agree with you. They've got to give you a pass. Like what, white people have a beef with him or something just because he's black? Yeah, or just that black reporters would somehow not ask hard questions? Yeah, it's just like, and you're going to say that uh, the former New York City Mayor mm-hmm. Bill de Blasio didn't get any rough treatment. Mm-hmm. He was criticized like crazy, as he should be, as he should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. He was criticized like crazy. He's mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. He's white. Nobody gives a flip. Just do right. your job. Do it well. Right. How about you... Worry about being mayor of New York City? Mm-hmm. Not try to tell the press what to do? What a concept, Dad. Mm. Man, uh, you're saying some crazy stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go to the verse. It's going to be Mark 3, um, verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blaspheme, uh, blas- blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. Mm. There's a lot of, you know, controversy surrounding this verse. You know, people always ask, what is the unpardonable sin? That's a very common question. Mm -hmm. And one of the main theories and answers is attributing to God, um, basically, you know, calling Jesus demon-possessed, calling the Holy Spirit um, demonic. And, you know, that's, of course, what we just went through a couple of episodes ago about Beelzebub, you know, that that's why he casts out the spirits of the demons, because he is of Beelzebub. So, anyway, Jesus basically saying this is, that's the one that won't be forgiven. So I think we need to be really careful about that. And I'm not sure most people even kind of understand that well enough. And there's all kinds of people thinking, well, did I commit the unpardonable sin? Um, And I think most of the time that's not the case. But, you know, and we often hear that term blasphemy more within Islam than Christianity. But it is, in effect, insulting, disrespecting, laughing at God. And... Uh, you know, there's so much talk today about the demonic witchcraft, you know, even in movies, as though it were taken lightly. And we can maybe try to mix that with our own faith and our own religion. And I think that's very dangerous for all of these reasons. We need to know there's a complete divide between God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the demonic and the devil.
So true. Yeah, they don't mix. They don't mm-hmm. play well with each other. Um, there's two paths, mm-hmm. and there's no middle path. There's no converging path. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, that was really good insight. Thank you, Dad. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show, learned a lot, and yeah, that Eric Adams was probably my favorite clip. Mm-hmm. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day.